Hello, and welcome to the Comic Book Book Club, uh, the only podcast whose raw MP3 file counts as a Costco membership card. My name is Matt Lasik, I'll be your host today, and I know a lot about comic books. My name is Kendra Forte, I'm your co-host, and I know nothing about comic books. Uh, and we are going to, we're going to jump right into this, because we are, this is, uh, uh, welcome to, uh, part three, the final part of our, uh, book club reading of the 1985 classic, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, if you have not been, if this is your first episode, or if you, uh, uh, uh skipped the past couple, you're not, not, you're not gonna, you're not gonna know what's going on. And I'm sorry for you, but, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe maybe you should have uh, maybe you should have maybe you should have kept up. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry, hypothetical listener. Anyways, you ready to jump into this? Let's go. Okay, starting from issue nine of twelve. Uh, if uh, for those of you that have kept up, if you remember, um, issue eight ended with uh, the death of Barry Allen, the Flash, uh, and with uh, the Anti Monitor absorbing uh, the entirety of the anti-matter universe uh and making some grandiose statement about how he's going to change time and then the specter who is the embodiment of uh, god's wrath screaming in agony uh that's the cliffhanger that we ended you with issue nine starts relatively calmly um on the planet Oa, uh uh home to the green lantern Corps and the and their uh, uh leaders the guardians of the universe um guy gardner uh, uh, I think I uh, I want to say the third human Green Lantern. Uh, I guess technically, uh, one of the human Green Lanterns who at this point had been um, like retired or, or kicked off the core or something. Uh, Guy Gardner is reinstated as a Green Lantern uh, when suddenly the Guardian Citadel uh, explodes with a wave of antimatter, uh, killing all but one remaining Guardian. This moment is uh, one of many moments. Um, like I said in last episode, that's just sort of a setup for new storylines to pick up post-crisis. So, not important right now. Only important if you're reading comics in 1985. <laughs> uh, uh, meanwhile, inside Brainiac's ship, which is orbiting Earth-1, uh, an army of villains has, has been assembled. Um, we saw the villains, you know, m- mysteriously disappearing in previous issues, and this is where they, this is where they all went. They're, they've been recruited onto Brainiac's ship. Um, including our old friend Simon, who was last seen being, like, exploded by shadow demons. But he's okay now. It's fine. It's fine. He's fine. Don't, don't question it. Um, with the Anti-Monitor supposedly dead, the villains have decided now is the time to take over the, uh, remaining surviving Earths. Um, Brainiac will dispatch the troops to the various Earths, while Earth-1 Lex Luthor, uh, serves as a sort of field commander. Uh, this decision upsets Earth-2 Luthor, who is, uh, immediately killed <laughs> for making a stink. Um, yeah, he's just like, well, one Luthor is as good as another, you don't need two. And Brainiac's like, you know what, you're right, inferior Luthor, boom, you're dead now. <laughs> Suck on that. Um, yeah, uh, uh, meanwhile, Starfire of the Teen Titans is summoned, summoned back to her home planet of Tamaran, bringing fellow Teen Titans Nightwing and Jericho with her. This is another setup. Doesn't matter to the story. The only infa- Im- impact it has on this story is that these characters are not seen again in the pages of this comic. Anyways, uh, across all of the remaining Earths, um, across you know various time periods, uh, a mysterious red energy flashes in the sky for a few seconds before disappearing. 
uh, on the surface of the uh, half-merged Earths, things uh, have mostly stabilized in terms of time being all wonky and, uh, uh, you know, wanton destruction. Um, however, there are still areas uh, of overlap where one planet, where one universe is... Overlapped with another. Right. Uh, because the, the full merge process had been stopped, but not undone. So there's still these, uh, uh, what they refer to as warp zones, uh, inside which time is still a bit wonky. So there's still, you know, it's the imagery of a dinosaur next to, like, a fighter jet. Um, on Earth-1, uh, Alex Luthor from Earth-3, Lila, and Pariah uh, appear in front of the United Nations uh, uh, to explain what's been happening to the sort of, you know, the people that are not members of the superhero community. Um... While they're doing this, uh, Pariah is suddenly pulled away again, indicating that the danger is not yet over. Uh, immediately after, a holographic image of Brainiac appears, uh, declaring that his villains have already conquered Earths 4, X, and S. Uh, Luthor then appears and says that the United Nations uh, should surrender Earths 1 and 2, uh, or else the villains will destroy the Earth that they have conquered, which will in turn like, like dominoes destroy all the Earths because they're still kind of merged together. Um, and they have 15 minutes to decide, which, of course, is an arbitrary thing because this is a comic book. This and is a comic book, and time does not matter. Time passes as quickly as I turn the pages. <laughs> um, on Earth 2, we see the Justice Society trying but failing to breach the barrier that has been put up by the villains between Earths 2 and 4. Um, on Earth-1, uh, Jay Garrick, who is the Golden Age Flash, resident of Earth-2, and Lila head to Blue Valley to convince uh, Wally West, who at this point was retired, to uh, uh, return to his role as Kid Flash and, and lend a hand. Um, on Earth, uh, whoops, skipped ahead a bit. Uh, uh, after that, uh, the heroes of Earths-1 and 2 uh, assemble in front of one of these barriers, um, while Jay and Wally build a modified cosmic treadmill uh, to carry all of the heroes into the conquered Earths to bring the fight to the villains. Um, for those of you unfamiliar, the cosmic treadmill is just, I mean, it's pr it, it, it is what it says it is. It's a super-powered treadmill that allows speedsters to uh, uh, travel between dimensions and through time. I did not know about the dimensions thing. I thought it was just a time thing, so I was kind of confused. Yeah, it, it they, they, they do, uh, in this instance, they use it to travel between dimensions, then it pops up again in, in I think, like, issue 11 or 12, where they use it again to, to travel through dimensions. Um, but, you know, it's the, the in this multiverse, the mechanics of the multiverse are all based around um, internal vibrations, which is the same mechanic that, uh, according to Flash Comics, is how time travel works. Um... But, uh, like, there are, there are I, th I think even earlier in this uh, uh, series it was mentioned where, because uh, the Flash was living in the future and he made some comment of, like, oh, like, I'm only staying in the future because I'm, like, maintaining my internal vibrations so that they're in sync with the future. And if I, like, relax, it'll automatically drag me back to the present. Um, so it, it's, this they love, they love just, like, throwing away, like, oh, Speed Force, uh, vibrations, moving on. Um, and, and, you know, it could be said that we're reading way too much into this. <laughs> Because this is a comic book where science does not matter. Um, right, so the speedsters run, big flash of light happens, the heroes are split up onto the Earth. Uh, on Earth 4, fighting commences, 
during which uh, Tula, uh, I don't think she had a code name. Yeah, I think they just refer. I, it's I just almost, Tula. I almost called her Aqua Girl, and I was like, I don't think that's right. Um, Tula, who is a, 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 a Atlantean, an Aquaman supporting character and main love interest to uh, Aqua Lad, uh, dies to a villain called Kemo Ke- or Kemo. I'm not sure how it's pronounced, um, but he's like just a giant. He's he's literally just like a, a vat of toxic materials in the shape of a giant man. Um, he has been used in other comics as just a, like a straight up nuke. They just drop him from a from a plane at one point and just destroy a city. Uh, right. So Tula dies, um, and that's pretty momentous. This is another like big uh, 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 aftermath. Something that becomes a big important aftermath of this event. Um, similar fighting starts on Earths S and X. Um, but all three Earths seem to remain in the villain's control. The heroes are not able to uh, uh, sway the balance in any way. Uh, meanwhile, Luthor and Brainiac watch the fights happening from Brainiac's ship, uh, and suddenly Brainiac is killed by Simon, who uh, has learned of Brainiac and Luthor's real plan, which is for the heroes and villains to kill each other, uh, so the two of them can basically just kill whoever's left, clean up the scraps, and rule the five Earths alone. Um, That's so many Earths to rule. By yourself? Yes. Yeah. Well, keep in mind, Brainiac is like a computer, so he can just be, just like run subroutines, just like split himself into five, if he wanted to. Um, We also really zoomed through this issue, which is because it's just, like this whole issue is just, look at all these characters. Look at them fight. Look at them go. Look at more of them fight. Um, so there's not much uh, weight in issue nine in terms of story significance. Uh, moving on to issue ten, um, this issue sort of split into half, with uh, uh, like the, the the top two thirds of the page being regularly scheduled comic book whatever, uh, and the bottom has like a banner that is uh, Lila sort of reading through like the monitor tapes. Um, it's weird because this is like the only issue in which this is done, but we'll we'll get we're, we're gonna we're gonna uh, uh, do like the main story first, and then uh, when we reach the end of issue ten, we'll back up and, and cover the monitor tapes. Um, so we'll we'll talk more about their purpose there. Um, anyways, as Simon is preparing to kill Luthor, turns out Brainiac isn't actually dead because he's a a, a living code and, like, inhabits the entirety of his ship, so he just builds a new body and literally blasts Simon's brain out of his head. It's very visceral. But to be fair, Simon is a man who has his brain for display in a glass jar on top of his head. So, you know, you kind of... You have that coming, dude. It's like, that's like, you know, classic, like, video game boss glowing weak point. Like, you you set that up for yourself, man. This is on you. (laughs) If you didn't want to be shot in the brain, maybe don't cover it in glass. Uh, right. The fighting continues across all of the Earths, with the balance starting to shift in the hero's favor. Um, suddenly, the specter appears in the skies above all of the Earths, uh, revealing that the Anti-Monitor is still alive, and that he has fled to the beginning of time to interfere with the moment of creation to make sure that positive matter is never created. So basically to make sure that light never was, in the whole let there be light thing. There's... There's so much wrong with this. Go on. Like, it really hurt my brain because he, okay, the plan was to make sure that positive 
matter universe just didn't happen. Right. Uh, but in 1985, he destroys the dark matter universe. He absorbs it into himself, yes. So what's the plan? Does he just start from the beginning of time all the way up until he absorbs the universe? Or does he go back and try to expel the universe from his body? Well, I, I think it's because we've seen, like, uh, uh, two or three times they've shown, like, oh, first there was only darkness and then light shattered it. So I think his plan is to basically show up and be like, no, stop, to that light shattering event, whatever it is. Um, because I, I believe the antimonitor is sort of like the embodiment of antimatter um, and therefore like the embodiment of the darkness, quote unquote. So I think his plan is just like if the light never happens, then there was only ever darkness. And therefore, I win because I am the darkness. Or maybe he's just really mad and it's like, a, I'm taking you down with me kind of energy. Yeah, because after that, there's nothing to, to rule anymore. His, never, his plan was never to rule. It was just to win. I don't think he had any plans other than destroy. I think his plan was step one, destroy antimatter. Step two, question mark. Step three, profit. Awesome. Awesome. Uh... And I know some of you might be saying, wait, if, if he's time traveling back to the beginning of the universe, why hasn't it already happened? And that the answer to that is, don't think about it. Time travel in comics is like, it's very confusing because <laughs> it's like, oh, we only have like, a ma it's only, we only have so much time until he does the thing, you know, 20 billion years ago. But it's like, if you, why do you only have a certain amount just, of time huh? if he's already back there? Can't you just, like, whenever you want? First of all, okay, so let's say, let's give you the fact that it hasn't already happened and therefore affecting your present. Couldn't you just choose whenever moment in time you want to actually do the act of traveling back and still arrive at the same moment in the past? There's nothing about time travel in comics that makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty notorious thing. Um, hmm, I just realized this uh, microphone is not sounding very good. But that's okay, because the only other microphone is non-responsive. So I apologize uh, retroactively for my audio quality in this episode. Um, couldn't be helped. Hopefully I'm still legible. Um, anyways, where were we? Right, time travel's dumb. Uh, what's up with like, the Spectre being capital G God's Wrath, if also the Greek pantheon exists. Whatever. Metaphysics. Who cares? Um, I believe that it could be Greek gods and capital G God. That's a different conversation. Yeah, it's... Uh, we're not... This is not... This is neither the place nor are we the people to talk about this, but I'm pretty sure, like, a core tenant of capital G God's belief Is that system, he's the only one? Yeah. But, like... Or actually, because I, I spent a lot no, of time... No, it's like, put me before no one else. So yeah. it's not that I'm the only one, it's just that I have to be the greatest one. Or like, I'm the only one that can be worshipped. No, yeah, you're, you're right, I was about to say that. Because I spent a lot of time in, in religious schools. We were religious school kids. Yeah, and there's, there's people looking at us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, one of the... the, 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 the is, I don't think it's ever said, like, I am the only one. It's just that I am the only one who you should worship. And I think there's even explicit moments where, like, he just, like, destroys other, like, like cities that are protected by other gods. But that's, like, a lot of Old Testament thing. I think it's, and I, think, I think it's not until like, the New Testament where it's like, oh, yeah, then prove your god is real. Like, your uh, uh, lowercase g god is real. And then they fail to do so. 
Anyways, we what's going on? <laughs> um, right. So then it's just a long montage of like heroes and villains talking amongst themselves and preparing to time travel, um, and like uh, combining a bunch of different uh, time machines to build like a time portal. Um, it's so stupid. Oh yeah, it's very it's very comic booky pseudoscience. Uh, it's at this point that a new character appears, uh, Superboy from Earth Prime. Um, this is an Earth that is virtually identical to ours, except that uh, Clark Kent is like a teenager there, and he has superpowers. So, like, this is a world where comic books exist, and it's like the comic books that we would have read in 1985, but also a young Clark Kent living in Kansas discovers he has superpowers. Uh, very interesting concept. Unfortunately, I don't think it's ever uh, it, it's ever really explored that much because Superboy Prime is pretty much the only important factor from that universe, both in this series and like the series that featured him in the future, um, which we might talk about later. Who knows? Um, yeah, right before they set off, uh, Uncle Sam, again, weird to think about, another weird conceptual being. Uh, Uncle Sam gives like a big speech. Uh, uh, about how they're not only fighting for their lives, but for their freedom. And it's like, that's cool, Dude. but like, half the people here are villains, and they wouldn't care. <laughs> Dude, what? There's even, there's a panel immediately following his speech where Lex Luthor just goes, he's right, you know. And it's like, what? no, he wouldn't say that. <laughs> he wouldn't care. Um, anyways, then like a bunch of different, like I said, a bunch of different time machines are combined with like electrically powered and magnetically powered metas to form massive time portals. Um, and the assembled are basically split into two parties. Uh, the heroes are all sent to the dawn of time to fight Anti-Monitor, while the villains are all sent to ancient Oa to stop uh, uh, Krona's uh, time experiment, because the Anti-Monitor plans to use that as a sort of a catalyst uh, to undo creation, basically. Um, at the dawn of time, um, the heroes uh, come face-to-face -face with a reconstituted Anti-Monitor, looking shinier than ever, uh, who reveals that he has captured Pariah. Um, he also reveals that uh, uh, Pariah didn't actually do as much bad as he thought he was and as he was like kind of punishing himself for. Uh, the only thing Pariah had done was open an antimatter portal uh, in the positive matter universe, at which point Antimonitor took advantage of the experiment and did all of the other stuff, like destroying Pariah's home universe, uh, expanding his own power, etc., etc., so, uh, uh, the, we, we spent a lot of time in a previous issue talking about Pariah's supposed three sins, and I think, Kendra, you were even like, hey, he didn't even do that much. Yeah. And you were right. I was so right. Hashtag Kendra was right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and with that, the heroes attack. Fight, fight, punch, punch, etc. Meanwhile, on Ancient Oa, um, the villains... Basically showing up and like, ah, we're villains, we're going to destroy the planet. And then the ancient Owens being incredibly powerful just go, no, you're not. And just knock them all out telepathically. I, I don't understand what was the point of splitting it into heroes and villains. I, like, instead of, like, each party being mixed? Yeah. I, I think, I, I, I think it's just because of a later thing that happens that we'll get to. So this will, the, the, the whole splitting of the party based on morality will will i think will come up a bit later so it's it's more of a plot device than anything that would make sense in the current plot yeah it's not actually any sort of 
uh, uh, planning on their part. It's a planning on the writer's part. Um, but we'll revisit that in a couple issues. Um, back at the dawn of time, the Anti-Monitor begins, begins draining power from the heroes to help his own goal. He's like, aha, you fools! My plan all along was to use you as a power source or whatever. Um, side note, if I was a villain, anything that would ever happen to me, I would just be like, ha, this is my plan all along. You idiots, you're playing right into my hands. Just to, like, just to keep them guessing, you know? Because what proof will they have that, that, that whatever they do won't be in my plans, you know? It's like, oh, if you press one button, it releases the sharks. But if you press the other button, everything self-destructs. And then, like, they inch towards one button and be like, ah, you're doing exactly what I planned. And then they go to the other one like, no, now you're doing exactly what I planned also. Just, it's like, all what I planned. I would just, like, purely focus all of my evil energy into mind games. <laughs> that would be that would be how I would win as a supervillain. <laughs> what was I talking about? Right. Um, Anti-monitor is draining power from the heroes. Um, uh, 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 way, like, way back a while ago, um, we learned the details of Krona's, like, time experiment in which he tried to view the, the dawn of creation, and he saw, like, a hand, like, sort of cradling a bunch of stars in the void. Um, and at this point, it's revealed that it is his hand, it is the anti-monitor's hand that was witnessed. Uh, except that in, 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 in this time, instead of just, you know, like, holding the stars, he intends to, like, close his hand and crush the Big Bang, basically. Um, uh, yeah, he, with the power that he gained from absorbing the anti-monitor, anti-matter universe into his being, and with the power he drains from the heroes, um, he's going to close his hand and essentially smother the entire multiverse in its cradle using Krona's, the energy from Krona's experiment as the catalyst. Uh, but suddenly, the specter appears, empowered by a cadre of sorcerers and magic users from the surviving Earth, and begins what is basically an arm-wrestling match for the fate of all creation. Which is very funny to me. <laughs> like, all of this stuff has gone down, all of this fighting is happening, and, and the big important event that actually decides who wins is just an arm-wrestling match between two godlike beings. Very funny. Um... So while they're arm wrestling, Krona, unimpeded by the villains because they failed immediately, uh, uh, starts his experiment and opens the portal, um, uh, hitting the anti-monitor with like a rush of power, um, and the specter screams again uh, as everything shatters. All of, all of existence shatters. And that's the end of issue 10. Except for the monitor files, which have been running on the bottom edge of the page for this entire issue. Um... This is basically just Lila whining and waxing poetic about the fairness of the universe uh, while she basically just shows, here's a bunch of characters that we hadn't mentioned yet but also exist in DC property. Um, so we see like space heroes like Starman or the planet Thanagar, or, or, or Gemworld. We see like Swamp Thing. We see what the Amazons are up to. Um, and then like right at the end, we see... Uh, uh, Lila shows that like a spark of her former power as Harbinger might still remain, and then that's it. I I, I really do think the only reason um, this or like I think the only reason that a this exists and b this is the only issue it's in is because the writers got ten issues issues deep and they're like ah ah crap what if people ask what what's happened to Swamp Thing we got we gotta let them know what happened to Swamp Thing I can't stress how much I did not care oh yeah. I was I was hoping that it would be at least some value in terms of like the philosophical stuff that she says, but it's literally just 
Hey, look at all these characters we forgot to show you earlier. We're going to show you them now, just to prove that we haven't forgotten about Like, the same thing with Darkseid a couple issues ago. Where it was like, hey, Oh, yeah, gonna, here's Darkseid. We're going to spend a page showing you what Darkseid's up to. And uh, what he's up to is hiding, because he's scared. Anyways, we didn't forget Moving about on. him. We're, we totally... Uh, uh, no, yep, we had this all planned out. Stop asking questions. Uh, that's issue 10. Um, any thoughts at this point, Kendra? Halfway through? Uh... No. Cool. All right. Moving on to issue 11. Uh, we see once again the birth of the universe. Except in this point, there is no point of fracturing. There is no multiversal split. There is only a universe created from the dark. In present-day Metropolis, uh, the Clark Kent of Earth 2 wakes up in his apartment and goes to work as editor of the Daily Star. However, in a comedy of, in a surprisingly comedic moment, he finds himself instead in the uh, 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 headquarters for the Daily Planet, which is Earth One's uh, uh, metropolis newspaper place. Um, and he ends up at the Daily Planet with Earth One Clark and his little comedic thing where it's like, oh, what, what, how did I end up here? I'm Clark's uncle, also called Clark. No one noticed the fact that I'm just him but older. Shut up. <laughs> Um, so, he's like, oh, how'd I get on Earth-1? That's weird. Um, and the two supermen, uh, uh, suit up and fly towards where the, uh, uh warp zone to Earth-2 should be, only to find a very peaceful park area, and a nearby police officer tells them that the area has been quiet for months. How intriguing. Um, they then fly over uh, to Central City to get uh, Wally's opinion as the resident multiversal explorer, um, only to find that Central City, home to uh, Flash and Kid Flash from Earth-1, is now right next to Keystone City, which is the Earth-2 equivalent. Uh, they now exist in the same universe as sister cities. Um, but Keystone should only exist in Earth-2. They find Jay Garrick's house, Jay Garrick being the Flash of Earth-2, um, where his wife, Joan, doesn't recognize Earth-2 Superman. She only recognizes Earth-1 Superman. But that's weird, because Joan is supposed to be a resident of Earth-2. The mystery uh, continues. And then Jay himself shows up, revealing that he, he in fact, does remember Earth-2 Superman. Hmm. Um, Jay reveals that uh, uh, he had a very similar experience waking up and just being like, what's going on? Um... All the research that he's found that day suggests that he and Joan had lived there all their lives and that Keystone had always been the sister city of Central. Um, and he also mentions that he, tr he tried to call Earth-2 Superman, but his, but like his phone number just didn't exist. Um, so then Jay and Wally rebuild the cosmic treadmill um, to try and get to Earth-2, only to find uh, a never-ending black void where... Earth 2, and indeed the multiverse, should be. Um, yeah, furthermore, there doesn't seem to be any other universes, only the one. Very, very mysterious. Meanwhile, a bunch of C-list, like, time travelers and space heroes, and also another Aquaman-supporting character, question mark, um, have been, like, doing their own research, trying to figure out what happened to time and the multiverse. Uh, when they find Brainiac's seemingly deactivated ship, um, they sort of break in and start exploring to find, like, the dead and empty robotic corpse of Brainiac himself. Uh, 
back on Earth, um, all of the uh, uh, heroes from across, like just a bunch of the heroes that had been doing all the fighting and such, uh, uh, meet up in Titan's Tower, excuse me, uh, where they each share similar stories to the Flashes and the Superman. Um, those that came from other Earths in the multiverse, uh, such as like the Shazam family um, and the Earth 4 characters, um, had only, they've only found evidence that they had lived on this Earth uh, their whole lives, um, with the exception of some like Earth 2 heroes that are duplicates of Earth 1 heroes. Um, and when they tried to get back, they uh, similarly found that where their Earths should be were only a black void. It's at this point that uh, Harbinger appears with her powers regained um, as a side effect of the universe being reborn, and she reveals that uh, uh, the multiverse is no more, and that the universe has restructured into only one Earth, uh, designated New Earth, that has that's sort of a hodgepodge of the bits and pieces that came before. Um, and this is basically the uh, uh, end goal of why Crisis was written to begin with, um, because uh, uh, DC realized that their massive multiverse was a big uh, uh, confusion point, a big stopping point for new readers. So the, por the point of this was to end up with this, with there only being one universe uh, uh, without any multiverse, without any duplicate characters, without any of that confusion. Um, it seems that within... Within the, 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 the lore of the universe, the only people that remember what came before were the assembled heroes that fought the Anti-Monitor at the dawn of time. Um, uh, uh, if any of these people were uh, uh, duplicates, like Earth 2 Superman, or whose existence wouldn't make sense in the New Earth because they're like older versions of Earth 1 characters, like... Uh, Dick Grayson, who's still, like, Earth 2 Dick Grayson, who's still Robin, or, or Earth 2 Huntress, who's uh, the daughter of Bruce Wayne, um, they just woke up on New Earth with no proof that their lives existed except for their own memories. Um, and it's very, like, very sad. <laughs> like, there's this whole flashback of Huntress trying to, like, go to her apartment only to find nothing, and then she, like, goes to the cemetery where... Uh, Earth 2 Batman, her father, was supposedly buried and finds no headstone. It's very, like, I don't know. It's clearly very traumatizing for her character, and it's, 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 it's shocking to read it, you know? I just feel bad. Maybe I'm just too empathetic that I feel bad for all these fictional characters and their fake problems. Um, Harbinger then gives, like, a brief recap of the new history um, that only one universe ever existed in the multiverse. Um... The Golden Age characters came about when they did in real life in, like, the 30s and 40s, um, but not including Batman and Superman, as they only came about uh, when they would have in, like, Earth-1 continuity, that being, like, the 60s, late 50s, early 60s. Um, so basically, like, this is uh, uh, just, a, uh, as I said before, this is a new merging of all of the universes with, with Earth-1 continuity being the primary thread and with, like, Earths 2, 4, and S sort of put in where they would fit. Uh, this news is very disturbing to Earth 2 Superman, who becomes distraught and flies off in anguish. Um, we then have a couple of brief cutaways for another for a bunch of, like, other setup for post-crisis stories. Um, a, a minor villain named Angleman is murdered. 
Um, Amethyst, the princess of Gemworld, is, like, being persecuted for a witch. Uh, and the Spectre is in, like, a magical coma from his fight with the Anti-Monitor. While all this stuff is going on, um, the skies over all of the Earth go red as Shadow Demons attack once more. Say it with me, Kendra. It's, it's Shadow, Shadow Demon, Demon time! time. Uh, meanwhile, Earth-1 Superman caps up, catches up with Earth-2 Superman and, like, comforts him in his grief. Um... Also, meanwhile, Batman shows up and it explains that um, there are no duplicate villains. Um, and the, the villains that went to stop Krona don't remember doing so, which just further cements that, like, only those at the dawn of time remember anything multiverse-related. Uh, even though the villains were very heavily involved and did their own part and also, like, went through time, they just, no, like, none of this ever happened to them. Imagine Batman showing up... At- at your door as a villain like hey do you remember doing this thing and you're like no and they're like oh well bye well the scene that actually plays is batman goes to lex luthor's jail cell and he's like hey thanks for helping out and lex luthor's like you're insane i would never help you go die <laughs> uh yeah so the the uh, uh skies continue to grow red until the effect covers the entire planet and suddenly earth itself is pulled into the anti-matter anti-matter universe as it is taunted by the disembodied voice of the Anti-Monitor, who says, Welcome to my universe! Welcome to your doom! And that's the end of issue 11. Anything to say before we jump into issue 12? The more we go on, the less I understand. <laughs> yeah, I, there's only one more issue. Um, I promise this is it. That, like, it. It'll get easier. I'll just spoil it right now. Almost all of the like duplicate characters from Earth 2 die <laughs> or otherwise taken out of the picture so you don't have to worry about like but what uh, what, uh did the what so it's fine <laughs> this is a terrible idea poorly executed i think i think it was executed okay it just if you had been reading for a long time and you were fond of like any of the duplicate characters mm-hmm. screw you <laughs> yeah they weren't to be fair, there weren't that many duplicate characters at this point. Um, Earth 2 Batman had just, like, died before this event even took place. Um, so you only had, like, uh, uh, Superman, Wonder Woman and her daughter, uh, uh, Lois Lane, Dick Grayson, and uh, Huntress were the only, like, really significant Earth 2 characters that had an Earth 1 counterpart. Most, the, the vast majority of the Earth 2 characters uh uh, like, you know, most of the Justice Society, so uh, Alan Scott, Green Lantern, Jay Garrick, Flash, um, most of those characters didn't get, or when their names were revitalized in the Silver Age in, like, the 50s and 60s, um, they just had, like, new characters created to take up that mantle. So, like, the new Green Lantern was Hal Jordan, the new Flash was Barry Allen. So there wasn't uh, any issue of there being duplicates. The only The only reason the duplicates existed is because... Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman had been such popular figures in the Golden Age when the time came um, for the big rebirth of the superhero in the Silver Age. DC was just like, ah, we'll just, we'll just make them. new ones. We'll just use them again. We won't change anything. Um, so it's not, I, it's not that, like, it's not as big as a deal as you're making it sound because, like, like, like I said, most of the Earth 2 characters are fine. They just got picked up and put down on Earth 1 and they're just part of that history now. Um, issue 12. This is a very iconic cover. This is one of the 
this is this is some of the imagery from Crisis that had been like recreated and referenced and parodied time and time again. Let me tell you, I had never seen this before in my life. Oh, I'm sure most of the things that I've said, this is very iconic imagery. You just like didn't ring a bell. Yeah. Which is fair because they only show up in like, you know, comics that are parodying other comics, which you never would have had any appeal to read. <laughs> so it makes sense. Um, on Brainiac's ship, he is revived and the uh, assembled random C-list heroes basically convince him. Uh, uh, first, they convinced him that he had helped previously and convinced him to help them again. Uh, and uh, he's like, there is only one that can help us now. And he takes off into the stars with his ship. Um, in the anti-monitor universe, the anti-monitor, I keep, it's, you've heard me flub it like three times already on this episode, but saying anti-matter and anti-monitor so close to each other is confusing my brain. My brain hurt. <laughs> brain no feel good. In the anti-matter universe, the anti-monitor continues to taunt the earth, uh, in the process revealing that, like, the Flash really had died and, like, the manner of how he had died. Because I guess finding his desiccated costume wasn't enough proof that the Flash was dead. Yeah, maybe he was just naked and afraid somewhere. <laughs> but, I mean, to be fair, like, one of the biggest issues that, like, we've discussed in this series is things being repeated ad nauseum, you know? Uh, so this is just more of the same of, like, is the Flash dead? Yes. But is he, though? Yes. But is he, though? Yes. Okay. Like, you only need to... Uh, uh, as the anti-monitor's tirade ends, the red energy recedes from the sky, leaving Earth wreathed in unnatural darkness. Like, so much so that not even, like, light bulbs and flashlights and stuff are providing light. Um, while the supermen are observing the panicking masses, the Harbinger appears in front of them, recruiting them to go and, like, take the final fight to the anti-monitor and kill him. Um, she then goes, like, all over the planet, recruiting other heroes, including the new Dr. Light, who we hadn't seen for a while. Um, Dr. Light had been, uh, uh, pretty much hiding because, uh, she believes that she was, uh, responsible for Supergirl's death, uh, in a previous issue, um, which, like, I don't know, man, you were, like, one hero shooting lasers while Supergirl was, like, literally fighting the embodiment of evil, so I, I think you can chill. <laughs> I think you're okay. Which is basically what Harbinger says to her. She's like, nah, she was already dying, you were just shooting lasers. Um, yeah, soon after, the darkness... Enshrouding Earth shatters, turning into millions of shadow demons. Um, this is like, this is just something that I think about a lot because I think it's like really cool of just like, because just like the thing of like Earth being encased in shadow is already like a spooky enough thing, but then it's like, oh, actually, the shadows, like the, the, the thing encasing Earth was just millions upon millions of demons that are now bearing down on Earth to kill you specifically. I think that's really interesting. That's just like a really interesting concept to me. But I'm a nerd, so who, you know. Uh, fighting breaks out across the planet as the demons are trying to eliminate all life. Um, there's just a montage of various countries, uh, various heroes in various countries, uh, defending and fighting and punching and whatnot. Um, meanwhile, uh, uh, at the comatose form of the Spectre, um, there's another assemblage of heroes for like the tenth time. There's just the heroes meeting up again. Um... The, the, this assemblage of heroes is preparing to take the fight directly to the Anti-Monitor with uh, Alex Luthor managing to breach the shield of darkness surrounding the Earth. Uh, meanwhile, back in the positive universe, Brainiac's ship finally arrives at its destination, that being Apocalypse, because the writers didn't forget about Darkseid. <laughs> um, 
uh, uh, Brainiac believes that Darkseid is the only one powerful enough to help them. Meanwhile, back on Earth, uh, a Dove of Hawk and Dove is killed by Shadow Demons. Tragic. Truly tragic. Um, I believe Hawk and Dove are in the Titans series. They are. Yeah. I do like Dove. Well, the, the, the Dove in the Titans series is based off of the second Dove. So the I because the oh dove, well the Dove and Titans is female right yeah yeah so the Dove that is killed here is a male and he is the brother the original Dove is the brother of the original Hawk, Hawk. Mm-hmm. um and yeah in, in Crisis he's killed and after a while he's replaced with a new female Dove um and it's that partnership that is the basis of those characters for the Titans TV show uh in Salem a bunch of magicians uh are casting some sort of spell via Alan Scott and Doctor Occult which is, like, the worst. I think that's, like, one of my least favorite character names. It's like, okay, we need, like, a magic guy who's also a doctor. How about Dr. Occult? Done. First draft is the best draft. Let's just roll with it. Anyways, I just like lazy writing. Moving on. On Quard, the heroes start searching the ruins of the Anti-Monitor's Fortress, uh, during which they discover that uh, Kid Flash had followed them to try and discover any remains of the Flash. Once again, Kid, he's dead. We're moving on. Yeah. Oh, whoops. I just realized I messed up. Uh, just because I was... <laughs> I got confused over what I had read from my notes and what I had read during the show. It's at this point that they discover the desiccated costume of the Flash. Ah, yes. So when the Anti-Monitor earlier was bragging, it was the first time that they were they had heard that the Flash was dead. So I apologize for any fans that are listening that were Wasn't confused. someone there when he was, like, running? Yeah, Psycho Pirate. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> um, so, yes, this is actually one instance in where we are complaining about something being repeated ad nauseum where it actually didn't happen. I just got confused in my brain. Um, so, yes, it's at this point that the heroes find uh, uh, the empty, shredded uh, uh, costume of the Flash along with Psycho Pirate, who had been driven mad, who was basically pleading with the empty Flash costume to save him. Um, after Kid Flash recovers the costume, the Anti-Monitor appears before them. Um, we then jump back to Earth and basically just watch a bunch of characters die from Shadow Demons. Um, another Aquaman supporting character, a, a mermaid named Laura Lamaris, is killed because I guess this writer just hates Aquaman <laughs> supporting characters. This guy's like, screw Aquaman. Um, uh, uh, other characters that are killed are... Uh, Green Arrow, Robin, and Hunter from Earth 2, they're bo- thereby, like, taking care of half the duplicate characters that you were worried about, Kendra. If it's you okay, liked Huntress, screw you. Well, Huntress will come back uh, uh, on Earth 1 eventually. Um, yeah, but if you were, like, currently in love with Huntress, screw you. Yeah. Well, that can be said about any comic book character that ever dies in an event. <laughs> um, host dies. Um... Uh, a very minor hero named Prince Raman that I know nothing about. Um, the second Clayface, another villain named the Bug-Eyed Bandit, uh, and a Teen Titan named Cole. They are all killed by Shadow Demons. Very sad. Uh, back in Salem, the spell is finally cast, uh, expanding Green Lantern's power um, so that he can create a giant green net to swipe to sweep up all of the Shadow Demons and trap them in space above Earth. Uh, back on Quard, the battle begins. Fight, fight, punch, punch. Anti-Monitor starts drawing power from a nearby star. Um, Harbinger then reveals why she specifically sought out Dr. Light, um, so that Dr. Light could, dra- could herself drain the, the star out of its 
up its power and cut off anti the antimonitor. Um, as she does that, Alex also drains the antimatter from antimonitor directly, uh, and a negative woman wraps her radioactive form around the antimonitor to even further weaken him. Um, with all of this happening, uh, uh, the other heroes blast, the, blast him with various lasers and forms of energy simultaneously, with Dr. Light uh, releasing the absorbed stellar energy to deal the final blow, uh, blasting his physical form. Um, Alex then spends his absorbed antimatter power to push the Earth back into the positive universe, um, turning his body into a giant portal. Um, at the last second, however, the Anti-Monitor absorbs the captured Shadow Demons to rise again, uh, shooting off a blast of energy that seemingly obliterates Earth-1 Wonder Woman. This is again set up. She's not actually dead. Don't worry. Um, Earth-1 Superman and Lady Quark uh, resolve themselves to basically like uh, leave Earth to fight the Anti-Monitor to the death, but Earth-2 Superman knocks them out to take their place. Um, his reasoning is that since he no longer has a place in the universe, but they still do, he thinks it's better that he sacrifices himself over them sacrificing themselves. Uh, Superboy Prime begins to fly uh, Earth-1 Supes and Lady Quark back towards the closing portal as Earth-2 Supes turns towards Anti-Monitor. Uh, but it's at that point that the second part of the uh, uh, magic user's spell triggers, uh, destroying Anti-Monitor from the inside as the spell itself was absorbed into his form along with the Shadow Demons. Um, at the last moment, Superboy Prime realizes that he also doesn't really have anything waiting for him on New Earth, um, so he just chucks the unconscious forms of Lady Quark and Earth-1 Superman through the portal right as it closes, uh, leaving him, Earth-2 Superman, and Alex Luthor stranded in the Antimatter universe. Um, as Superboy and Superman fight Antimonitor, Darkseid uses some pseudoscience technology to watch the fight through Alex's eyes. Pay-per-view, baby. Uh, as Anti-Monitor's physical shell is destroyed for like the fourth time, um, Darkseid fires a beam of energy through Alex's eyes, uh, basically pushing uh, Anti-Monitor's uh, energy form into the heart of a nearby star. And that's that's what Darkseid did. He definitely took place. He he was he, he was there. He was he there. Did some stuff. He helped out. He was definitely relevant to the story. Uh, Darkseid says basically says, "All right, I helped you. Get off my planet. Uh, next time I see you, it'll be to conquer you. Leave." Um, and th that's Darkseid. That's a wrap for hey. <laughs> Give it up for Darkseid. That's a wrap for Darkseid, everybody. He did Give it great. up for Darkseid. He did great. Um. Back in the Antimatter universe, the last vestiges of Antimonitor, because this man just cannot die. <laughs> He's been quote unquote killed like five times now. Just lie down and take it, man. <laughs> um, the last vestiges of Antimonitor manages to escape from the star. Earth 2 Superman literally just yells, I have had enough, and pops him like a balloon. Uh, uh, the resulting release of energy starts destroying the Antimonitor universe, Antimatter universe around them. Uh, Alex then reveals that he contains a pocket dimension inside of him. Um, and he had saved Earth-2 Lois Lane, who Superman had been looking for since the Universal Reset, and put her inside him, which is weird to say out loud. Uh, as the antimatter universe crumbles around them, Superman, Lois, Superboy, and Alex enter their hard-earned reward 
uh, eternal peace inside Alex's body. That is really weird to say out loud. <laughs> uh, it's cleanup time. This is all just now aftermath. Um, Wonder Woman, Earth One Wonder Woman, wasn't actually killed by the Antimonitor's blast. She was just transformed back into the clay that she had been created from and deposited on Paradise Island to be picked up in the pages of Wonder Woman, I guess. Um, Earth 2 Wonder Woman and her daughter Fury were accepted into Olympus to be part of the Pantheon. Um, funerals were, had, were, were held for Cole, Earth 2 Robin and Green Arrow, Huntress, Dove, and a little private ceremony between Superman and Power Girl, who was the Earth 2 equivalent of Supergirl for Earth 2's Superman and Lois. Um, Yolanda Montez becomes Wildcat. Wally Wesh graduates to The Flash. Uh, Lila Pariah and Lady Quark form a little cute little trio to go and explore the, the new universe together. And finally, we see Psycho Pirate locked up in Arkham Asylum, rambling endlessly about the multiverse and the entire crisis, as he is the only one that still remembers everything. And that's Crisis on Infinite Earths. It ends with a little caption box that says, Not the end, the beginning of the future. Any, any thoughts now that we've reached the end? I'm not the biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still think uh, Psycho Pirate has been done dirty. <laughs> uh, man is just struggling. Yeah. Uh, I like the little Lila Pariah and Lady Quirk, Quirk uh, trio. The little explorers trio. Yeah. Yeah, that's cute. I like this. I I this was like one of the first big like this was a big step forward in my knowledge of comic books as a child because before then it was just like oh you know cute little like all ages Superman Batman adventures all ages like Spider Man Avengers stuff and then it's like oh by the way. Here's a graphic novel in your local library about the destruction of everything. Uh, have fun, child. Um, so this, this, I think that some of this is just nostalgia for me. Um, reading it like critically now, as an adult, I can definitely see uh, the weak points in the story. Um, like it, it takes a while to get going, and and things are explained too many times. Um, but that might just be attributed to like the fact that this was released monthly. Um, so they just had in to case you like, forgot. Yeah, basically. Um, so it doesn't, you know, read great when it's all collected. But um, I, I, I just really like the, the the team of Wolfman and Perez. Um, Marv Wolfman being the writer, George Perez being the penciler. Um, they they've done great stuff. They they wrote. They basically completely revitalized the Teen Titans. Um, their work is the basis of like the Teen Titans TV show. Um, so that also just might be like me being partial to the to the writer artist team. Um, I also just like just like as like a comic book nerd, I like seeing big splash pages of like fifty different characters and being able to be like, oh, that one's that guy and that one's that guy. Like just being able to name them gives me joy. But that is a very it's a very niche reason for liking this comic. Um, I have compiled a a short list of sort of like follow ups and sequels. Um, you know, just as like if if uh you, the listener, are interested in seeing what happens to the DC Universe next. Um, in 1986, there was a one-shot release called The History of the DC Universe. Um, it's actually collected in the trade paperback that, that uh, uh, Kendra and I read uh, 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 
just like the, the version that we read for, for uh, this podcast. Um, the history of the DC Universe is just Harbinger uh, serving as a... Um, as a, a narrator uh, detailing the uh, new history of New Earth, uh, showing how like the Earth 2, X, S, and 4 characters have been integrated, as well as how the history of some Earth 1 characters have been changed. Um, the next big time event is uh, 1994's Zero Hour, in which uh, Hal Jordan, now a villain named Parallax, and Hawk, now a villain named Extant, uh, travel back in time to correct what they thought had gone wrong with time. Um, this is in the aftermath of the Death of Superman event, during which Hal Jordan's home city of Coast City was fully obliterated. Um, so he's like, well, obviously the, the only solution is to go crazy and fix time, because I know what's right. Um, in the process, the entire timeline was affected, basically just allowing for uh, 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 like a, a, a smoothing of the timeline. Um, so some events were changed to clear up continuity errors or plot holes that had uh, formed as a result of crisis. Um, another uh, uh, like aftermath of Zero Hour is that they introduced a concept called hypertime, which uh, allowed for like alternate futures and alternate timelines, um, but it's not a full multiverse. It's just like little one-off blips uh, referred to editorially as Elseworlds, uh, just like chances for writers to write alternate timeline stories that aren't necessarily part of uh, the bigger DC multiverse. Some of these Elseworlds would go on to uh, become uh, uh, DC multiverses in the next event, um, being 2005 to 2006's Infinite Crisis, which is the direct sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, Alex Luthor comes back, and he and the others that he had taken with him into his dimension um, reemerge to basically bring back the multiverse. Because uh, they were like, you know, uh, the, in their eyes, the uh, mainstream New Earth timeline had gotten too, like, grim, dark, and serious. Which, like, to be fair, this was after the 90s, where grim, dark, and serious was the way of the world. So they kind of had a point. Um, they succeeded but uh, uh, in bringing back the multiverse, but in a new form. Instead of where it was pre-crisis, uh, where it was just, like, you know, infinite timelines, whatever... Um, uh, post-Infinite Crisis multiverse was limited to 52 pre-established linear universes. Um, that, there would be another soft reboot in the form of Flashpoint slash New 52 in 2011, wherein Barry Allen just screws over the entire timeline, um, resulting in a company-wide reboot that just, uh, uh, we, we talked about it uh, a couple times in previous issues, I'm just mentioning this as it is a sort of follow-up to this event. Uh, and most recently, uh, there is the Rebirth event in 2016, the Doomsday Clock maxi-series that was published between 2018 and 2020, and 2020's Dark Knight's Death Metal uh, uh, event, each of which uh, made steps to sort of merge uh, the New 52 timelines with the pre-Flashpoint timelines. Um, so where we are right now, we're actually in a pretty good spot uh, uh, in terms of fans for currently releasing comics, because... Uh, uh, DC has no longer locked off events and characters behind, like, the Flashpoint slash New 52 wall. Um, they're, they are, like, writers can now use, like, whatever stuff they want. Um, in fact, over this summer, uh, DC re released a miniseries setting up the next event, uh, which is another direct sequel to Crisis. Like, Cycle Pirate shows back up, Anti-Monitor shows back up, Pariah shows back up. So, this, like, this was a great time to review this because like 
important stuff from this is going to be showing up again very, very soon in the pages of modern DC Comics. Uh, so I'm very excited about that. Um, you want to talk about what we're doing next time? Uh, like next week or like the in next... The okay. next thing we're reading. Uh, we are reading Loki, Agent of Asgard. Yes, we're reading Loki, Agent of Asgard, which ran for 17 issues. So this is probably going to be a two or three parter. Um, but I think that it's really... It's not really something that can be... Like it's an oh, it's an ongoing storyline that I think needs to be um, uh, uh, you need to explore the whole thing. Um, we only have four minutes left, so I can't get into it now. Um, but there is uh, a lot of stuff that had just happened to Loki right before Agent of Asgard started, uh, and there are two or three events that happened during Agent of Asgard's run. So we're going to be dedicating some time to uh, in next week's episode into running through those just to prepare the the readers slash listeners to dive into it. I'm very excited. It is like my favorite Loki series. Um, but yeah, that'll be in two weeks. Uh, so if you want to reach us, if you want to give your thoughts on crisis, if you want to suggest comics for us to read, if you just want to talk to us about anything comic books related, you can tweet us on Twitter at CBBCPod on Twitter. That's at CBBCPod. Or you can email us at CBBCPod at gmail.com. I've been your host, Matt Lasik. I've been your co-host, Kendra Forte. And until next time, Excelsior!